Hello, this is Anita Westlake, and thank you for choosing A Balanced Life with Diabetes. Today, we're going to discuss carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, good choices, bad choices, how they affect our blood sugars, and really just overall making healthy choices to maintain a good, healthy body. Today, I have nutritionist Rose Torchino to discuss that with us. Hi, Rose. Hi, Anita. So thank you for joining uh, joining me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Great. Um, today I wanted to talk about carbohydrates. It's such okay. a huge issue uh, with diabetes and counting carbohydrates and taking medication. And they have such a huge impact initially on sugar. And there's a lot of confusion, I think, really surrounding carbohydrates and what they mean and how they affect us? Well, carbohydrates um, are one of the uh, macronutrients that our body needs. Um, It's the main fuel source, basically, of our brain. Our brain runs on glucose, which when carbohydrates are broken down, that's what they break down to is glucose, so a fancy name for sugar. So our body runs on this uh, sugar. And carbohydrates come in many different forms. So we have the simple and we have complex carbohydrates. Uh, simple forms are things like sugar. And it's uh, like just cane sugar, honey, maple syrup. Um, those are all simple forms of sugar. And then we've got complex forms of uh, carbohydrates. And that's more of your whole grains, um, even some fruits and vegetables um, also contain these complex, complex carbohydrates. And so, obviously, there's a huge difference between the two and how it affects um, our health and how we digest them as well. Now, in, in saying that, I understand that there's carbohydrates that are fibrous. And when looking yes. at a car- carbohydrate count, let's say, and there's fiber involved, mm-hmm. um, some, what is, is said to a person counting carbohydrates is you minus what's in fiber from okay. your carbohydrate count, and that will give you a true picture of the amount of carbohydrates that you're getting. So for instance, in a diabetic world, mm-hmm. one serving of carbohydrates is about 15 grams or half an ounce. And okay. so, you know, when it, it can be very confusing for people if there's fiber associated with their carbohydrates. And then on the other side, just to make it more complicated, there's, of course, how this carbohydrate is going to react in your body. Is it going to spike your blood sugar? Is it going to be more of a curve? You know, how is it going to affect the body? Mm-hmm. And so in saying that, what would be, to start off with, what would be classified as a fibrous carbohydrate? So whole grains. And um, unfortunately, in this day and age, most of us are eating um the standard American diet, which consists of a lot of extracted processed uh, foods um, like oils and white refined grains. So in the process of refining a grain, uh, they strip away the bran and the germ, and we end up only eating the endosperm. The endosperm does have a few um, vitamins in it, but definitely the bran is taken away, and the bran is what contains all of the fiber, And the endosperm also contains a lot of uh, B vitamins and healthy fats. So when you strip that away, a lot of times you buy white rice, white refined flour, 
you'll see that they add some vitamins and mineral, minerals back to it. But they haven't found a way to really add in that fiber back. And fiber is what really makes um, these simple, or something that would have been simple carbohydrates, makes it more complex. And so what it means is your body is going to slowly digest um, these carbohydrates. They don't instantly spike your blood sugar. And that's um, if they're complexed with fiber. Yeah, if they're complex, they, won't, they will definitely not spike your blood sugar. You will get a slow release of sugar into your system. If you eat something that is a simple carbohydrate, um, it is immediately turned to sugar in your system. Now, at any given time, our blood... I believe it only uh, holds about one and a half teaspoons worth of glucose in our blood. So think about when you're drinking something that's full of sugar or eating a simple carbohydrate. Um, you're going to get a flood of sugar into your system. And having really high blood sugar is extremely dangerous. So the body reacts and um, it reacts in a very, very quick manner, um, and it's a real shock to the system. So it really affects your adrenals as well. So what happens is the body will start, to, uh, the pancreas will start to secrete a huge amount of insulin so that it can remove the sugar that's currently in the bloodstream and put it to work, put it into the cells so that we can use it for energy. Um, the problem is we don't need that much. Sometimes we're taking in way too much sugar. And so we have this excess amount of sugar. And so this excess amount of sugar either gets stored as glycogen um, in our liver or in our muscles. And most times if we have way too much, it's going to get stored as fat. So, but the problem, once it becomes, once you become diabetic, your, or type 2 diabetes, your, um, uh, pancreas, uh, insulin, you're, you're not responding uh, to the signal anymore. So your body is, it, it becomes exhausted and the cells just don't respond. So you're not able to actually get um, that sugar into your cells. Which, which I'm insulin resistant. Sorry? Right. Which is the same, uh, just to be even across the board, yes. the, the common thing in diabetes is you cannot handle the sugar. Some people are on pills, some people are on insulin. Um, so at the end of the day, you cannot handle the sugar. Your body doesn't produce exactly. insulin or enough insulin. So the the goal is to not have spikes, is to right. have you know more complex Even carbs. Steady flow. Mm -hmm. Right, and in Absolutely. saying that, to go out there and shop. Now, I have to tell you, there are times when we want simple carbohydrates. Yes. So if we have a low blood sugar and diabetics yes. have low blood sugars, we need something fast acting and we need it now. So honey, mm -hmm. you know, anything, fruit, raisins, it depends on your low juice, chocolate, mm -hmm. something yummy that we don't normally have. But mm -hmm. when we're eating a meal and we don't want to have those spikes, uh, you know, you're, you're giving yourself less of the hormone insulin. Right. Um, what are some really great choices with some health benefits, obviously, in complex carbohydrates? So, you know, a, maybe a short list. What are good things to be adding to meals? Okay, sure. Um, definitely choose whole grain over, over um, white refined processed grains. Um, and definitely make sure you're reading, um, you're reading the label. So don't trust what you see on the front of a package because a lot of times uh, it's deceiving. So you might read that it's made with whole grains, 
But when then when you go to look at the ingredients, the first um, ingredient might say wheat flour. And when somebody reads that, they automatically think wheat flour. Well, isn't that whole wheat? That must be good for me. Um, what they're neglecting to put in there is the word um, just flour or white refined flour because really wheat flour is just a fancy name for white refined flour. So make sure you're really reading uh, the ingredients. So look for whole grains. So things like brown rice, uh, wild rice, um, there's some wonderful gluten-free grains uh, that are easy to digest uh, and assimilate uh, all those vitamins and minerals, things like quinoa, millet is fantastic. Um, there's uh, definitely, definitely take advantage of all the wonderful uh, plant food out there. So your nuts and seeds, um, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. Um, sunflower seeds, in fact, are the most nutrient-dense out of all nuts and seeds. They have the most nutrients per calorie of any other nut or seed. So definitely find a way to incorporate that. Um, have That's sunflower seeds? Now, sunflower seeds, what if yes. you have a, an, an allergy to nuts? How, is sunflower seeds yep. all right? Sunflower seeds are fine. If you have any allergies to nuts, my, as my daughter does, um, I would definitely replace that with sunflower seeds. And I do that in a lot of recipes that would normally call for almonds. I replace it with sunflower seeds. They're really versatile to use. Um, so instead of making a nut and mix muesli, you could just do simply a seed muesli. And there's a wonderful amount of, um, uh, I call them superfoods out there that you could add to it to increase the nutrition and the flavor. And you can naturally add sweetness without actually adding any sugar. So things like coconut flakes, unsweetened coconut flakes, great source of energy. Now, what, um, how do adding, they affect the blood sugar, though? They, you know, it's coconut, and I always think sweet yeah, how would sweet, that affect yeah. your blood sugar? I, I'm actually, I'm not 100% sure where they lie on the glycemic index, but I don't think that um, they will spike, especially if you're pairing it up with some seeds or nuts if you don't have allergies. So the key, too, is um, not everybody, I mean, you ideally want everybody to eat um, really healthy food, all whole grains, uh, lots of plant foods, lots of vegetables and fruit, um, but that's maybe not realistic for everybody. And so if that's the case, then if you are having something that might be refined, definitely pair it up with a good quality um, healthy fat. So it's something like an avocado um, and or nuts and seeds and olives or, um, or some healthy sources, excuse me, of protein. So again, those nuts and seeds. So making a muesli that has those nuts and seeds in it will help to balance out that um, the glycemic load, the total load, um, how it's going to affect your blood sugar uh, once you digest it. So the protein and the fats are yes. helping to curve the uh, spike rather than have it point upwards and have a true spike. Is that what you mean by that? Adding some fat and protein along yes. with your, your carbohydrates? They're going to slow that release of glucose into your system, yes, and they won't have, they won't have the, the spikes. So fat, or we'll call, say, fats is a four-letter word. There's yes. so, so many yucky things associated with the word fat. <laughs> so what's it a is. good fat and what's a bad fat? Because yes. you know, all you hear so, is run from fat, run, run, run. Well, yes, everybody, I mean, they did a great job. I think it was in the, I don't know if it was the 90s, or the 80s and the 90s, where um, huge fat scare, you know, a lot of people were um, um, just overweight, um, there was, uh, just a huge, um, I think it was from the, actually from a lot of the, uh, the manufacturers, they decided to, um, choose 
sight of the enemy. Um, and they went to town and they started making everything fat free. But the problem is once you start taking fat out of food, um, you have to add flavor back. And how are they going to add flavor and calories? Well, they added a ton of sugar. So fat really uh, is got a bad rap, but there's no reason for it because we absolutely need fat. Our brain is 60% fat. Um, it, uh, we, we need it for our uh, for proper brain function, for our, our joints. Um, you, you need it for so much and for digestion. Um, and especially there's something called, you know, essential fats. Um, so the reason why they're called essential fats is because they are not made in the body and they are essential to our health. And so you actually need to, there's, you need to actually take them from outside sources. So we have a couple of different types of fats. So we have the omega-3, and the omega-3 fats you will get from things like um, there's some in walnuts, flax, chia seeds, um, from salmon. Um, you're going to get it uh, from nuts and seeds. And this is a good source of fat. Um, this is going to be brain food. Um, and there's some other, you know, not-so-great sources of fat. So we have um, things like trans fats which um, are basically made by ad- adding, um, they're taking a liquid fat, um, and adding a hydrogen atom to it, and so it makes it solid at room temperature. And the industry loves it because it increases the shelf life of products. Um, but now that we all know that you know, trans fat word. and hydrogenated fats are bad for us, so we yeah. know to stay away from those ones, but you know, they still creep in in some processed foods here and there. But ideally, you want to focus on omega-3 because right now, um, we have an imbalance in our diet. We are taking in way too many um, omega-6. You probably heard of omega-6. Mm-hmm. And omega-6 is, is good for you, but it has to be in the right ratio with omega-3. But for and those... you'll also get omega-6 in things like flax and hemp seeds and uh, walnuts and things like that. And that's omega-6. Um, the problem Just... is you're also getting omega-6 from processed, refined, extracted oils. So things like canola oil, sunflower seed oil, um, all of these vegetable oils are super high in omega-6. And what happens is we are eating way too much of the omega-6 and not enough omega-3. So I think it was back, even back in 1950, we were having our ratio of omega-3 um, was not, it was maybe even earlier than 1950, but it was basically around a uh, 3 to 1 ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. Our ratio today, omega-3 to omega-6, is more like 25 or 30 to 1. So that's what's really uh, skewing um, our health as well. Just to, but just to clear that right? up, sorry, just to clear that up, what you're saying is, is that the omega-6 fat far outweighs in our diet the omega-3s. Yes. And Absolutely. having said that, there's so many, and you know, I, I'm just really breaking this down to simple terms. A yeah, lot sorry of people, if I'm going to. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. This is what you do. But for a lot of us, omega-3, we hear omega-3, <clears throat> pardon me, and, and that goes into fish and their supplements. But these yes. omega-6, there's still a little bit of mystery. What does that actually do for the body? Omega-6 is important and actually can be anti-inflammatory, but it also can be pro-inflammatory. And that's why I was stressing um, the balance between the omega-3 and omega-6. So it's not that it is bad for you, but it's bad in the wrong ratios. 
So you really have to watch out. And it's also um, will be, um, can be damaged. So when we, what we do with these omega-6 oils is we uh, proceed to use them to fry with at high temperatures. And so then you're damaging the oil. Um, you know, it's no longer got any healthful benefits to it. So you definitely want to try to get away from uh, frying your food because that leads to inflammation. And inflammation is, you know, the foundation for so many degenerative uh, diseases, including diabetes. So you definitely want to make sure you're having the right ratio. And we really are not getting enough omega-3 in our diet. What if you have arthritis? Now you're a diabetic and you have Mm -hmm. arthritis and you want to reduce inflammation. So I've heard different things like no dairy, no wheat. Does that Mm -hmm. aid, does that help in your diet um, in reducing this? Yes. Well, and then I can add something else too to that. Um, so there's a lot of books on um, eating grains and how even eating too many grains is not helpful for you. Um, and there's the Wheat Belly book as well. So um, wheat, as we know, what we know now, uh, is extremely hybridized. It's no longer uh, what it used to be. And so our body's having a hard time digesting it. There's a lot more gluten in it. You're seeing a lot more gluten intolerances. Uh, but you mentioned, sorry, which uh, disease? You're talking about arthritis? Right. So, so now the- you're, you're a diabetic and you yeah. have arthritis. And they say, you know, it might be a good idea to cut out wheat and dairy. Right. Dairy is highly inflammatory and extremely acidic to the body. Um, Most of us have heard the acid-alkaline diet, and if you have it, um, basically our bodies need to be at a certain um, uh, acid-alkaline balance. So our bodies uh, naturally will keep us at, I think it's around 7.35 to 7.45, and we have to stay our pH has to stay there um, to keep us alive. So the body is very smart. And when you're eating a diet that is extremely acidic, so foods that are acidic are things like, even some healthful foods can be acidic. So it's about having balance again. So things like, so some, a lot of dairy um, and uh, meat are the two most pro-inflammatory and the most acidic. But also things like grains and beans. Um, not all of them, but some of them um, can be highly acidic. And so what, when this happens, especially when you're eating meat and dairy, um, your body, um, your pH balance is going to be thrown up, the blood pH. And so the body's very smart. So minerals are extremely alkaline forming. So the body will actually pull minerals from your bones um, in order to create um, the right pH. So what's wow. the most mineral that's in our body? Calcium. In our bones, I should say. Calcium. So there's a lot of calcium and magnesium, for that matter, in our bones. So the body will actually pull that calcium and magnesium from our bones and put it into our blood to keep us at that homeostasis, that 7.35 to 7.45. So it's very important to keep that balance. Um, and then I'm going to go one step further. So specifically arthritis, there's certain foods uh, called the nightshade family of vegetables and fruit. Um, that actually can uh, exacerbate certain symptoms of arthritis. And it's, I've seen it time and time again, uh, a lot of people getting relief by just removing these. And they are tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, and potatoes. 
Now, is and, it all peppers or a certain color of pepper? Um, all peppers, um, except for what I was told, except for um, black pepper. I didn't know so there things, was a black pepper. Yeah. So, so things like oh no, just like most people confuse it because they think oh, can I have black pepper? Because it sounds like it sounds like pepper. So, um, so they can they can have black pepper. They just can't have things like cayenne. Oh, I um, thought you meant the vegetable, a pepper. I didn't know you meant like... No, no, the... no. You can't have like vegetable, bell peppers, hot peppers. I'm including all the spices as well. Because oh, those are just, okay. Yeah, those are just uh, dried peppers, same thing. So, because a lot of people forget about that as well. Yeah, so definitely. Um, so all peppers, uh, including all bell peppers, and, um, and then all potatoes, except for sweet potatoes. And then there's the tomatoes and the eggplant. Wow. Wow. And you're told these foods are, are good for you, but, you know, then you're wearing the hat of, I have inflammation, I have arthritis, and they may not yeah. be good for you in that case. You, you know, know, you know, and I, I love those foods. I'm Italian. I love those foods, was, you know, um, and they also can help people who have um, psoriasis because psoriasis, as there's also an uh, arthritis sort of component there. Some people get this um, psoriatic arthritis. And so, yeah, it definitely helps out, um, can definitely alleviate a lot of those symptoms because they are, these foods tend to be a little bit more pro-inflammatory as well as if we're going to go there. So the most pro-inflammatory foods are um, sugar, number one, and um, refined processed foods. So anything packaged really, I mean, if it's been processed in a package, sometimes you buy things that are healthful in a package. So something like a coconut butter um, or just buying brown rice, it's in a package, but it hasn't been processed. So I'm talking about processed refined foods, um, also extracted oils. So a lot of these oils, as I mentioned before, um, they become highly inflammatory. Um, because they're really sensitive to heat, light, and processing. So even before you buy it and you start to fry with it, it's probably already damaged because most of these bottles are in light, clear bottles. So they've been sitting, you don't know how long, being exposed to that light, so they're getting damaged. Uh, they've already been processed, and dam- you know, the process will damage it. Um, and then you heat it up, <laughs> so you're damaging it a third time. So, um, and it's been heated up probably in the process of extracting it. Now... So, what, okay, so now we've got all these factors, just to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, get kind of a grip on some things here. So we have fats, and they've been processed and extracted, and they're not so great. So right. just to, before I ask the next question, I'm just going to keep it simple and ask, sure. what do they mean by cold press, and what about olive oil? Is that still healthy? Is there any healthy oils that we can still enjoy? And and I'm not talking about heating them up at this point on right. salad dressing, something. Okay. Yeah. Um, cold pressing uh, means that it has been processed in a um, such a way that it's not being heated. Um, so you're getting the extracts of the olives. You're getting that pressing um, without any heat. So it maintains some of the vital um, components to it. So it, it is high in vitamin E. Um, and uh, it's a, a healthful, heart-healthy, um, which has been proven in many studies, um, a monounsaturated fat. So I see olive oil as strictly as an oil that you want to drizzle with. So as you mentioned, just strictly ones that you don't want to heat. Olive oil is a great um, option for that. You definitely want to go with extra virgin cold press. And, and why is that? If possible. Why um, is it extra virgin? Extra virgin is, the, is basically the first pressing of it. So each time they will press 
you know, more and more to get as much as they can from it. So you're going to get the most out of it. Um, you're going to get, you know, the most vitamin E, say, for example, from the first cold pressing. So, um, so that's what they, um, they mean by that. And then when it comes to other oils, there's some wonderful oils that are high in omega-3. So um, you've got flax, you've got uh, chia, I believe chia seed oil you can buy now. Um, there's an oil that just came out of the prairies. It's fairly new. It has a very distinct flavor, and it's called camelina oil. And they actually say that even um, with low to medium uh, frying, it doesn't damage any of the omega-3 in there. So that's also another one that's high in omega-3. So it has a, a slight one. buttery flavor. I actually do buy that. I've been buying it for a couple of years now, and I love it. And they right. even have some infused with an onion flavor, a garlic yes, flavor that you can put over a salad. It and is a lovely, lovely oil. And I'm so happy to hear that I'm doing the right thing. (laughs) Yes. That's wonderful. Um, And then there's coconut oil. Um, I am a huge fan of coconut oil. Um, So if you are going to fry something, um, it has a high smoke point. So that's a great oil to choose for frying. So I'd say um, even medium to high, not too high, but medium to high heat. Um, Coconut is fantastic. And um, now some people say grapeseed oil, but again, Look at the source, make sure it's organic in a dark bottle. That one also has a high smoke point. Another really great one is avocado oil. Um, it's also good for medium to high heat because it has a high smoke point. Um, so that just means that when you're cooking it and you know how oils can smoke, um, it, um, it, doesn't, uh, it takes a while before this oil will smoke and, and get damaged because once it starts smoking, that's when you start to damage uh, those extracted um, oils. Now, so what about... Coconut is a... Sorry? Sorry, what about baking? Because when you say high heat, yes. I'm not. A, I'm trying to cut a lot of dairy. Well, trying to cut it out completely from my diet. Yes. And so, if you're going to put something in the oven, not fry it, but mm-hmm. which one of these oils, or does it matter which one, um, would be better to bake with? To bake to bake with, um, I use again. It's coconut oil for sure. And again, it's the uh, extra virgin. I mean, you are going to leave something, but you're. It's definitely the better option. Um, and that one, like I said, has a high smoke point. I would never use olive oil in baking um, because it also has the, the taste is, is very strong and it's not meant for that. Um, so coconut oil is a very versatile oil. Um, it's not really going to add um, that strong coconut flavor to whatever you're cooking. I think um, you, if you don't like coconut, you don't have to worry about that. Um, Which is important to know. Yeah, very important to know because I would assume that you would get a lot of flavor from that coconut oil. Yeah, and there's different types. So if you want to fry uh, with coconut oil, they also have a refined coconut oil. And say you just want to fry something like, um, I don't know, a filet of some sort, you can use the refined coconut oil, and that one definitely does not leave any coconut flavor whatsoever. You would swear that you were using um, a very, um, you know, just a plain vegetable oil. It does not have any, it doesn't have a strong coconut flavor to it at all. So that's a fine one to use. Oh, that's, um, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so olive oil, uh, a great option. Um, and nowadays, a lot of people are trying to go oil-free as well um, because they see it, again, as a refined product. It has gone through some refining, but we do need some healthy fats. And again, for me, it's more about just not frying with them. It's not about taking them out completely, but just not heating them because you really are damaging them, and that's not what you want to do. And our cells, each of our cells are lined with these with this phospholipid um, uh, layer, and that's all made of fats. 
And so primarily our cells are going to be lined with the fat that we eat most predominantly. And if we're eating a lot of damaged processed fats, then that's what's going to be lining our cells. And we don't want to do that. So you want to make sure you're making, you know, good healthy choices because you want to make sure that you're lining your cells with the best uh, fats. And that would be the omega-3s for sure. Now, this has been, you know, quite a bit of information, which is just mm-hmm. fantastic. But to put this in some kind of perspective, let's just say, you know, I'm going to have dinner. I'm going to have dinner and I've got all this information bouncing around in my head and I'm thinking, okay, where do I take this? What would be a healthy meal that has some flavors, some taste that the entire family, whether I have children or it's just a group of friends or, you know, uh, a dinner party, what would a menu that has some flavor, some tastiness to it, mm-hmm. look like. And kind of incorporate the complex carbs, the good fat, some, right. you know, protein, the the three main ingredients that we've been discussing. Okay. What would be a, a good meal? Well, um, for breakfast, you definitely want to incorporate um, something with a good protein source. In fact, when you get up, you want to, within 20 minutes, you should eat something with protein in it. Um, It's going to help stabilize your blood sugar for the rest of the day. So ideally, I mean, if you're a meat eater, then you could make yourself um, a type of omelet uh, with some, uh, ideally some people even put a lean ground turkey in it. Um, Me being vegan, I will make something um, like a a cashew cream. You could do a cashew cream parfait, so going dairy-free. You could actually make cashew cream. So you soak cashews, and after soaking them for a few hours or overnight, you simply just drain the water, and you can add sweetener of choice. I like to use dates. Now, even though dates are high glycemic, you're pairing it up with a healthy fat um, and a protein together. The, The nuts have the healthy fat and protein. Um, as well, the fiber in there is going to help slow down that release of sugar. So you add uh, a date or a little maple syrup. Um, but again, if we're talking diabetics, maybe stay away from maple syrup, but go with a whole food. So a date might be nice, not too much, um, and uh, just a dash of, of, uh, of salt and maybe a little bit of vanilla extract. You blend that in a food processor or blender, and then you could put that on top of berries with some crushed nuts or seeds. That's a perfect way to start the day. Smoothies are my all-time favorite. Um, that's another one. Add, you can add all kinds of superfoods in there, including a plethora of greens. Add your green leafy vegetables. Add some good, healthy sources of fat, even an avocado. Throw that in. Um, and if you need, uh, again, something sweet, maybe you can add a piece of either a lime or lemon. Not that they're sweet, but they're going to add some flavor. You can maybe add a little bit of a pear in there just to add that little bit of sweetness with all of your greens and beets and spinach and all of those greens. And now what I like to do is every time I'm drinking something, I always add chia seeds to it. Chia seeds are an amazing superfood. Um, they get. Um, I'm reading this healthy. more and more. Like now, do they? They they are a superfood. Yeah. And adding them to to a meal or whatever, like you just said, a smoothie. To a drink, easy. What are you actually getting from that? So chia seeds, super high in protein. They actually are high in calcium as well, um, but they're high in those omega three fats. 
Um, and actually having a drink of coconut water with some chia seeds, because chia seeds actually, um, they can hold 13 times their weight in water. They're very hydrating. Um, and because of the protein, they actually can act like, um, um, and it's high in potassium. So potassium is very good for your electrolyte balance, for just hydration. So using coconut water plus, um, sorry, it's the coconut water, it's high in potassium. So having the two together, you're going to have a great drink that can mimic something like a Gatorade. So it's really good if you want to hydrate your body and get that punch of protein and omega-3. So adding it to a drink, because it also has fiber, it's also going to slow it down. So even if you're having a vegetable juice that may have a little bit of, of a, um, a fruit in there that you put in there and pulverized, um, and you're worried about that sweetener, add the chia seeds in there because that's, again, going to help slow down that release of sugar in your system. So oh, I try to add chia seeds to everything. That's awesome because then you're not yeah. going to spike, like you said, and you you know, you know don't have that additional worry as you're enjoying some sweet fruits in a smoothie exactly. or a drink. Yeah. I've, Add the chia seeds and add them to a drink and let them sit there for a bit because you'll see that they start to expand and they absorb that water. And so they kind of, um, they kind of act like a, a scrub brush almost, if you will, for your digestive tract. So they're really good uh, source of fiber and they will help to to like move things along if you get my <laughs> no, so it's yeah. really, really good for your system. Um, Cleans so you right out. So, yes. Clean you right up. So um, it's excellent to add. So smoothie is a great thing to have. Um, I know salads. Now we're getting into the winter, you know, winter time. Um, oh, I have to interrupt you, Rose. I, Sorry? Just, just to kind of clarify the chia yes. seed, what would be, you know, you have eight, well, I'm not going to say eight ounces. I'm going to say four ounces of, let's say, mm-hmm. coconut water. What would okay. be a good serving of chia seed in that, that you would actually get benefit from. You know, you don't want to have too little, and I guess yeah. there's maybe maybe too much doesn't exist, but what, what's a, a decent ratio to work with? Well, I put in, in an eight-ounce glass, I will put in anywhere from one to two tablespoons of chia seeds. I think if you're just starting out, um, some people may not like, um, it's a texture thing for them because it does get a little bit thick, so it just depends. I think I would start off with probably a teaspoon and work yourself up upwards of that yeah okay so again it depends and it's you know it's, it's not one of those things where you can have um too much i don't think as long as you know when it comes to things like any kind of fiber source just make sure you're drinking enough water um just to help it along because um it is fiber and fiber together with water really help to get your system moving um so uh and water you know, water is something everybody just either forgets to drink. But, you know, a lot of times people don't realize is that a lot of the water that we get is also coming from our food. So there's foods that are naturally high in water if you're not one to really like to drink water. Um, so cucumbers, watermelon, celery, um, spinach, these are all foods that are really high in water content. So if you don't want to drink that much water, then make sure you're eating more of those foods. Um, and also... Um, you know, you can you can add flavor to your water by adding some lemon with some mint. Um, don't be afraid of herbs uh, to add to your water. I've done things like even some fruit. So even if you are the type of person you, you really miss having a fruit juice, um, add some frozen blueberries and maybe a frozen pineapple with a little bit of lemon into your water and let it sit for a few hours and maybe press it with say like a potato masher in a container, a glass jar, and you can have it throughout the day. Um, so it's not going to 
it's not going to increase your blood sugar to a crazy amount, but it's going to give you that little bit of sweetness so you still feel like you're treating yourself. You know, it's little things that you can do to well, help yourself. Right? I have to tell you, I had, and I'm going to say infused water, that's what I call it, but a big jug of water with yes. just a ton of cucumbers floating around in there. Beautiful. And it was spectacular. I wouldn't right. have guessed that, but it was delicious. I and just couldn't believe difference. the flavor in the water. It yes. was just lovely. It, it is amazing. It really is incredible the difference that those little changes can make. Um, but it can turn somebody who doesn't like to drink water into a water lover. So, um, and start off like that. I always say when you're starting anything new, it's baby steps. So, you know, take one thing that you feel like you need to change and start with that. Um, so if it's just increasing your water intake, fantastic. Switching over from processed foods to whole grains, amazing. Increasing your greens a little bit at a time when you're eating. When you sit down to eat, um, the question I always ask myself is, how can I make this, this plate more nutritious, more nutrient-dense? So if it's a matter of just lining my plate with some fresh greens, so whatever I'm eating, I can just put it over top of greens. So I'm getting a little bit more greens in my diet. It's always great if you can combine some raw with some cooked to make sure you're getting a balance of both enzymes. Because the fresh raw food will have enzymes, and enzymes help your body to digest and assimilate um, the vitamins and minerals. Versus you know, so the cooked. But, but to go back for lunch, I would definitely, especially during this time, um, have soup. Soup is fantastic, and in fact, it kind of acts as a thermogenic-type food. And a thermogenic um, food just means that it's foods that sort of um, somewhat increase your metabolic rate, but it also just helps you to burn off more calories. So I don't know if you know, but just by sitting and digesting our food all day, we naturally lose about upwards of 200 calories a day just by doing that. So just from digestion in general. But certain foods can actually um, help, help it along a little bit. And so by having soup um, before a meal, you actually eat less because it fills you up. So having, and soups are super easy to make, cream soup. Just add, start with a base of the celery, carrots, and onions, and then just add in veggies. You can always blend it. You can add in some beans to it. Um, great source of you're getting all kinds of complex carbohydrates from the legumes to the greens. Um, to the potatoes, uh, sweet potatoes that are in there, um, or the squashes that might be in there. So that's a great, great thing to have. Um, and, and then it, I, it then fills you up, I think, not. too. Uh, before Sorry? it can fill you up if you want a snack. I'm a soup lover, so I yes. have soup as a snack. I yes. have it in place Breakfast of caffeine. Too. Oh, absolutely! There is no bad time for soup. If mm -hmm. I'm hungry, that is my go-to snack. I find it yes. very nurturing. And um, it's it's comfort food, right? To me, it's, it's comfort, comfort food. food because it's warm. Yeah. It's got lots of flavor, and it does yeah. fill me up without yeah. those spikes of blood sugar, without you know having to worry about uh, my sugar intake really versus my vitamin intake. And it's going to be nutrient, especially if you're making it yourself and you're starting off with whole food ingredients. Um, definitely, you know, obviously, if you can't make it yourself, then go to the next best, best thing um, and just ask for the ingredients when you are buying it from somewhere. Um, and uh, health food uh, stores or restaurants, um, definitely, um, they're the best uh, option if you can't make it yourself. But again, they're super easy to make. And if you're looking to add a cream base, so I said you, you said you were trying to stay away from dairy, 
Um, red lentils are fantastic to add a creaminess to a soup or a stew for that matter because red lentils dissolve and they just become the creaminess and the thickness of the soup. Adding squashes and sweet potatoes, blending them, that becomes the creaminess. Um, even mushrooms will do the same. You can make a mushroom soup just from a plethora of different types of mushrooms and blend them up, and they're so good for your immune system. Um, and so, again, just adding, making sure if you're adding um, all kinds of plant foods, just always make sure that you're getting enough protein by adding in some good protein sources, so those legumes, those nuts and seeds. So if you're having a soup and there's not a lot of protein in it, then maybe you want to top it off with a few um, pumpkin seeds perhaps on top um, or have maybe a salad on the side that has some a nut and seed mix that you blended yourself. So just try to always find ways to add those nuts and seeds or beans um, to whatever you're eating. It's super easy to do. And once you start, you'll see how you can incorporate it into a lot of the meals that you're eating. Just to be clear, so you're telling me, and, and I'm really pin- pinpointing something here because it's fairly new to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I've been eating pumpkin seeds for a very long time, but I really didn't equate them to protein. I didn't put the two together, protein, pumpkin oh, seeds. Hmm. And they, they do they, have protein, do they? They absolutely do. They have protein, and they're going, and it's a really good absorbable form of protein. And so do greens. Greens have um, a huge amount of protein, and it's in a highly absorbable form. So a lot of people do not equate their greens with protein, um, or even healthy fats. Um, they just see it as I think well, what we've been taught with is mostly just vitamins and minerals. Um, you know, greens. Um, but I mean, look back, if you think back in mean, the cartoon, Popeye, spinach, spinach gave him muscles. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right? it did. And spinach, if you think about and, and if you look at the composition of spinach, spinach is almost a complete protein. Spinach has got a lot of great protein in it. So there's a lot of truth to uh, Popeye with his muscles eating spinach. So Fighting off the bad guys. Yeah. What's that? Fighting off the bad guys. Yes. For sure, for sure. You want to increase those greens. They have all kinds of antioxidants um, to fight off free radical damage, which we get from just breathing the air, from normal digestion, and just from eating uh, pro-inflammatory foods. So definitely increase your greens. Um, And I always like to say eat your vegetables and fruit because um, you want to eat at least seven to eight servings of, of vegetables and maybe two to three servings of fruit, especially those who are diabetic. Because even though um, fruit is wonderful antioxidants, lots of vitamins and minerals in there and some fiber, but they also are very high in fructose. Okay, and that is a sugar as well. And so fructose has been linked uh, with high triglycerides and also insulin resistance. So you want to make sure you kind of reduce that as well as fatty liver because fructose gets digested very differently in the body than glucose. Um, and it goes right to the liver. So too much of it can lead to a fatty liver. Um, and I'm not saying you're going to get that from just eating fruits, um, but it, don't overdo it, um, especially if you have blood sugar issues to begin with. You might want no, what, you might not want to overdo it. Um, and the rule of thumb is go with citrus foods and berries because those are the lowest in fructose. Oh, really? Now, what mm-hmm. about the theory of an apple a day keeps the doctor away? Yeah. Well, and you know, that's great because I truly do believe in um, apples. have got so much good uh, fiber. Um, and they do have a lot of antioxidants in there as well as, you know, some vitamin C. So you are getting a lot of protection. Um, they're highly anti-inflammatory. Um, but like I said, it's, it's when we do things in excess. 
And so really the problem with, uh, you know, and I shouldn't really have said it just food in general, it's more the high fructose corn syrup that's really causing this fatty liver. It's really the um, sugary beverages that add, add this high fructose corn syrup. Um, those are really the problem. Um, so you really want to stay away from fruit juices that have that in it. Um, and pop as well. That also has high fructose corn syrup in it. And that's really um, the, um, uh, the problem. The, you, having fruit, if you're just eating an apple a day, if you're having some berries and a peach or when cherries are in season, there's nothing wrong with that. But you don't want to be having 10 servings a day of fruits. You want to be having a little bit less of fruit, more of your vegetables for sure. Um, so that, that's my take on it. Wow. You know, Rose, this has been so informative. This has been fantastic, but I'm going to have to have you back because you still <laughs> haven't described the dinner. So that's something I'd really like to explore with you. Just having a kind of snapshot of just taking some of these, um, principles and putting yes. it together and having maybe a dinner party and not feeling bad and serving some really healthy food that people are, wow, look at this. This is fantastic and it's tasty. So we're going we're gonna to save that for next time. But okay. the, the information from what I'm you know hearing, it's really about balance and making healthy choices and adding our greens and being somewhat modest with the fruit, but having it present, adding yeah. fiber and protein and healthy fats. I mean, it, it's... It's all a journey, and we have to learn to choose our food wisely. Yes. I mean, it, it sounds simple enough, um, but it does take time, uh, patience, energy, um, and focus. Uh, so you have to just choose. It's, it's about, like I said, making small changes, and sometimes it's a matter of looking at your pantry first and making a few changes, um, and also tweaking the recipes that you currently have, because a lot of people do not like to change um, what they're used to. So it's not about completely overhauling your diet um, or the recipes that you've grown to love and their family favorites. It's about looking at them and making small little changes, just tweaking them to make them uh, a little bit healthier. That's a great idea. So anybody mm -hmm. wanting to tweak their favorite family recipe, maybe they can send it to me through an email at anita at anitacoach.ca or tweet it to me at Anita Westlake and we'll have Rose have a look at it. Thank you so much, Rose. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much.